And welcome, my friends, to the 486th edition of the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. If you're left, you just ain't right. The podcast that ate woke, my friends. And let's get right into this. Uh, Daniel Greenfield had a very good question today on his uh, on his webpage, DanielGreenfield.org. Uh, given that President Trump is now ha- has his fourth indictment from the state of Georgia, the latest one is uh, on what are basically BS politically motivated uh, charges to ensure that Trump will win the nomination of the GOP. And also guarantee he will lose the the national election. Uh, That's the strategy the Democrats have invested in. If you think I'm wrong, you're crazy. They are terrified of DeSantis. They're still attacking him. While saying his campaign's dead for months now, which it isn't. They're still saying how dangerous he is and how radical he is and how uh, what a racist he is. They're still trying to to, uh, bury the guy with their false accusations. The left has a real problem with honesty, my friends. They just don't believe in it. They don't value the truth. But Daniel Greenfield has a great question. Since Trump was indicted, uh, where is the indictment uh, on the same charges as Trump has been charged with for Hillary Rodham Clinton? Madam Clinton, you know, the first lady, the... uh, the wearer of many, many, many ugly pantsuits, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Greenfield writes on December the 12th, 2016, <laughs> or as maybe we should call it, Greenfield points out, D12. Uh, the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign endorsed a call by Christine Pelosi. If the name Christine Pelosi sounds oddly familiar to you, it's because Christine Pelosi is the daughter of Nancy Pelosi, Stretch Pelosi, uh, the former Speaker of the House, multi-time Speaker of the House, and and gobbler of gourmet ice cream, from what I understand. Uh, When her husband's not getting his ass kicked by a crazy gay man. Uh, Still need explanations for that whole debacle. Uh, But the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign endorsed a phone call by Christine Pelosi as well as other electors to receive a, quote, intelligence briefing on how Russian interference was performed to help Donald Trump get elected from Obama's director of national intelligence, James Clapper. That's right. Clap on, clap off, James Clapper. Uh, Another one of the useless stooges uh, that the Clintons... Uh, Clinton's employed and Obama especially employed. Hillary Clinton and her senior campaign officials were aware that they had concocted the lie that the Russians had gotten Trump elected. Now we all know that's a lie by now. The media tried to cover up. They carried the water for the Democrats as long as they could. We know what they tried to do. The misinformation, the disinformation came from the Democrats. It was kind of one of those things where... uh, the one, uh, the one who smelt it is the one who dealt it. The one who kept repeating the lie is the one trying to benefit from the lie. Uh, they claim, they concocted a lie, basically, that Russia 
had gotten Trump elected, outsourced it to a former British intelligence operative, Christopher Steele, who produced the infamous Steele dossier that CNN talked about for, I think, 79,000 straight days, if I remember correctly. It seemed that way anyway. Uh, who produced the infamous Steele dossier and distributed it through the FBI and were exploiting it to subvert the Electoral College and hijack the presidential election. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, was it? The Clinton campaign was endorsing a move to influence members of the Electoral College to set aside their duty and corrupt the electoral votes. I remember CNN and other news people talking about it. It was almost like they were they were just praying it would happen. I mean, if this would have happened, you think all the anchors on MSNBS and CNN uh, and all the rest would have probably gone into spontaneous orgasm mode. They were really pushing for this. They were so hopeful. Um... Uh, let me see. Electors are bound to vote in accordance with the ballot count. There was no purpose to a, quote, briefing on the conspiracy theories that were manufactured by the Clinton campaign except to persuade them to corrupt votes. The Wall Street Journal correctly described the move as an electoral college coup. Pelosi's daughter and other Democrat electors were requesting a, quote, briefing on all investigative findings as these matters directly impact the core factors in our deliberations of whether Mr. Trump is fit to serve as President of the United States. And they were asking it from Clapper, who would go around pushing the Steele dossier and defending its conspiracy theories as if they were based on facts, which we know they weren't. Clapper, using similar language to the Democrat electors, would describe Trump as unfit and Clapper should be a really uh, an expert on unfit. He's pretty much unfit to be anything. Uh, the Clinton campaign endorsed this proposed electoral college coup by claiming that the electors' letter raises very grave issues involving our national security. Electors have a solemn responsibility under the Constitution, and we support their efforts to have their questions addressed. So where's the indictment? I don't see an I don't hear see any indictment for Hillary Rodham Clinton. The attempted coup was backed by the Clinton campaign, members of Congress, and assorted celebrities from Michael Moore. Is that guy still kicking Michael Moore? He's still around. I haven't heard from him in a long time. Uh, to Martin Sheen, an Atlantic article by anti-Israel activist Peter Beinert, Beinert, rather, excuse me contended that the, quote, Electoral College was meant to stop men like Trump from being president. More seriously, House Democrats made the case for a coup and a power grab. I do think the Electoral College should choose someone other than Donald Trump to be president. That will lead to a fascinating legal issue, but I would rather have a legal issue, a complicated legal problem, than to find out the White House was now the Kremlin's chief ally. That was from Representative Jim Himes. Uh, dumbass, I'm sorry, Democrat from Connecticut argued the elector coup letter was signed by former Representative Carol Shea Porter, uh, future New York State Senator Majority Leader Andrea Stewart Cousins. Oh, those hyphenated Congress people. They're always angry women, aren't they? Hyphenated last name. 
So, just as a, an aside here, if, let me see, if a, a child grew up and they their name was Andrea Stewart Cousins, hmm, and they met somebody named, uh, a man named Jack Shea Porter, also a hyphenated name, what would, and they had a child, would the child had four names? And in what order would they go? I'm just asking. Uh, would that be a whole new identity movement, maybe? I'm a four-word last name. That's how I identify. And I want to be recognized right now. Uh, who knows with our world uh, the way it's going, my friends. The faithless elector's coup ultimately collapsed and has largely been forgotten. But the Trump indictment has made it relevant again. The indictment of the former president by Clinton ally Jack Smith covers the same basis. Smith has indicted Trump for, in his words, having spread lies and then engaging in a conspiracy to obstruct the lawful federal government function by which the results of the presidential election are collected, counted, and certified by the federal government. Rather than creating an alternate slate of electors, Democrats set out to corrupt existing ones. The Clinton campaign and Democrats spread lies that they knew were false about the 2016 election because they had invented them. The Electoral College coup was an attempt to undermine the proper process by inciting faithless electors to choose Hillary over Trump. All of this was done through fraudulent efforts based on conspiracy theories to, quote, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger that could be used to overturn the election. Uh, please go read the rest by Daniel Greenfield. That's a great question. I remember this from 2016. Oh, the media was salivating, like I said, over this. Uh, a, a, uh, a case of the electors changing the results of the election. But yet no indictments. It's amazing, my friends. It's, it's truly amazing. Uh, let me see what else we got today. So think on that. Go read the whole thing at danielgreenfield.org. And make sure you remind people. Put this out on Twitter and Facebook. And just let this information get out there. And people can remember go, oh yeah, I remember that. And then they can look at the Democrats and say, damn, your party really does suck. I mean, you really do suck. Uh, but let's move on, my friends. Uh, the Washington Post. They're heartbroken, crestfallen, angry, bitter, butthurt, and who knows what else uh, the Washington Post is lamenting a couple's hard life because they didn't abort their twins it's come to this now in abortion this is how valueless human life is in the womb according to the left uh, from MRC TV Tiran Rose Mandelberg now she sounds kinky I gotta say that's quite a name you get a woman with a name like that, they're probably wealthy, they're probably kinky, and uh, Tier and Rose Mandelberg, if you're single and hot, give me a call. I'm just saying, things could happen. The Washington Post, my friends, is irrevocably and unequivocally in support of killing babies, Mandelberg writes. On Tuesday, the Post released a disturbing piece which was titled, An Abortion Ban Made Teen Parents! I made them teen parents! I told myself I wouldn't cry. Uh, 
the story walks through the life of a young couple and the struggles they've had after becoming parents as teenagers. Uh, WAPO alluded that all of their life, marital and emotional struggles are because they couldn't abort their now two-ish uh, year old twin girls when, when the mother was pregnant. The story walked through the life of Brooke and Billy High. Their actual last names. They're not stoners. That's just their last name. So don't be haters. Who got pregnant in high school. Um, no, 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 no. Hold on here. See, here's something Washington Post. The uh, <laughs> Brooke and Billy High, the parents, they didn't get pregnant. Only, I assume Brooke is the girl here, the female here, the woman here. She got pregnant because fathers may love their children, but they can't bear them, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, So there was pregnancy in high school. The pair was living in Texas when Brooke found out she was pregnant. She was already three months along. Supposedly, at the time in Texas, you couldn't kill a three-month-old baby in utero. Likely because the baby, or in this case babies, had developed his or her skeleton, has positioned ears, is able to move all of his or her joints, and has obvious an obvious beating heart, a fact that even WAPO, WAPO noted. Nonetheless, Brooke would have had to travel 13 hours away to New Mexico if she really wanted to kill her babies. And thank God she didn't want to kill her babies. Uh, thankfully, Brooke and Billy welcomed their twins, named Kendall and Olivia, six months later. While this is a beautiful and wonderful testament to how sacred life is, uh, the Washington Post used nearly 5,000 words to talk about all the struggles the High family endured as a result of these two babies not being aborted. So we've gone from having a mother possibly have problems, or maybe a young couple possibly having problems if they have the baby now we're going you were talking about people with living babies and how much better the life would be if they had been aborted Uh, talk about defining deviancy down billy had to join the air force to provide for his family and brooke never finished high school which according to wapo was the twins fault those little bastards the, mar- the marital arguments that Billy and Brooke had stemmed from having their children at a young, immature age, the idea of divorce loomed because of the kids. Brooke felt isolated and alone while Billy worked because they had the children and Brooke was a stay-at-home mom, that is, according to the Washington Compost. Now with two children, they are permanently linked, the piece reads. You'll she'll be linked forever. Ha, 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 ha. You, that has to be Greg Abbott, right? And the Texas legislature for honoring unborn life. Condemning this young couple to, to uh, I guess, being a slave to these two twin girls. Much of the piece has a sour attitude about the girl's existence. Uh, WAPO noted and harped on the fact that sometimes Billy and Brooke think about the new laws that led them to this moment. Billy explained to the outlet that if you're not planning on having a kid, abortion is a much deeper option than raising people. A much cheaper option, excuse me, than raising people. Uh, Yeah, but I bet it's not cheaper on your conscience, Billy. I'm just saying. 
He also added that the law, since Rose overturned, created a not good situation to be in. A WAPO included one portion where Billy looked at his girls after explaining how much harder life is uh, since he couldn't abort his kids and said, I don't know, I'm tired. The framing of the piece made it seem like Billy was regretful at that moment. The media uh, are really our contemptible bastards, aren't they? Later in the piece, Brooks spoke on how she decided not to go to New Mexico to have an abortion and even commented how her babies were and are people. Unlike the writers at the Washington Compost who wrote this, obviously they're at least in part not human. If I would have had the abortion, she said, I can't even think of that way now. Those are our babies and they're people. But WAPO lamented how at least 9,000 extra live births occurred because of a Texas abortion ban, making Brooke and Billy an early example of a family compelled into existence by an abortion ban. Actually, it was probably that the couple had sex with each other. That's how pregnancy usually works. It's kind of, uh, you know, a couple gets together and does that to each other. It's kind of like Washington Post does to Common Sense and the Truth. Yeah, they intercourse it. But really, uh, it's kind of sick, you know, to, to put that on this young family. It's, I, I don't understand where, where they think this is moral. This is a story that would uplift people and say, look, they made it. They're okay. They're a family now. Look at these beautiful twin girls. Look at this young couple. Making it happen. You know, that used to be kind of commonplace. You were young, you met, you fell in love, you got married, you had babies. And you did other crazy things like graduating high school and getting a job. And life was much better for a lot of people back then. Certainly doesn't make it perfect, but... Uh, but I like the Washington compost here. Lamenting at least 9,000 extra live births. Uh, each of those extra live births are babies. You reprobate bastards at the Washington Compost. Uh, users on Twitter, or X as it's known now, were disturbed by the Washington Compost lament on life. A really disgusting attempt by the WAPO and, the, and uh, at C.A. Kitchener. To make you think these parents should have aborted their twins' daughters, Kendall and Olivia, who will one day read this story, the Delhi Caller's Mary Margaret Olahan tweeted. Nick Givas, another conservative commentator who I've never heard of, by the way. The editors and reporters who wrote this are twisted and sick. Amen to that. Another made a great point saying, I'm pretty sure it was not the abortion ban that made them parents. No, it was that other stuff you were doing, you little freaks. Those, uh, those moments of ecstasy, yeah, they do cause babies sometimes. Despicable by the Washington Compost. Ugly, disturbing, and despicable. Uh, I would say they, sh they should feel bad for writing it, but then they'd have to have a conscience. And as we know, the left has no conscience anymore. Now let's move on, my friends, to the evil. The evil that is the... I would say five, 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 six. I'm not sure how tall a former New York mayor Michael Bloomberg is, but Charles C. W. Cook, writing for America's First Freedom, that's the NRA magazine, 
has a really good piece up called Michael Bloomberg's Semantics. Uh, he writes, no wrong-headed idea in all of American political life is more difficult to dislodge than the idea that more guns and fewer gun control laws leads inevitably to more crime. The claim is a constant refrain of politicians who seek to shirk responsibility for crime. It is a supposition that undergirds every call for draconian regulation and disarmament. It is the working assumption of the mainstream media which, having been fully co-opted by activist groups, is happy to repeat it at every opportunity. Trouble is, it's false. Indeed, it is nonsense. Between 1990 and 2013, that's 23 years for you Florida State graduates, the number of guns owned by Americans more than doubled. Over the same period, a whole host of restrictive laws were repealed at both the state and federal levels, and yet during those two plus decades of change, homicides involving firearms were cut in half. Do you understand the words coming out of his mouth? You understand that? 23-year period, crime cut in half, uh, homicides involving firearms, rather, cut in half the number, and all these new, less restrictive laws were put forth, and more and more people carried guns and owned guns and had guns. So the guns obviously don't increase crime. At all. Maybe bad laws by liberals do, I don't know. Uh, C.W. Cook writes, The world is a complex place full of com complex relationships. People, not inanimate objects, break laws. Alas, this reality is still entirely alien, alien excuse me, to America's relentless gun control activists, some of whom have become so attached to the notion that they have taken to compiling lists of good and bad states that are predicated upon what politicians have attempted to do to infringe on our gun rights, rather on what, on what they have actually done about crime. So crime really isn't the issue of the left. You owning a gun is. You have a gun in your home, that's a problem to the left. If you commit a violent crime, eh, they don't really care. Uh, thus, it is that every town for gun safety places California which has a homicide rate of 6.1 per 100,000 people. At the top of its ranking, places New York 4.7 per 100,000 second, and Illinois an astounding 11.2 per 107th, and described them as national leaders in the bargain while calling New Hampshire, which has a homicide rate of 0.9 per 100,000 residents. 0.9 per 100,000 residents, my friends. That's right. The lowest rate in these United States. A national failure, putting it at number 39 in the list. So if you have low, low crime, but lots of people own guns, your state's bad. If your state has lo lots and lots and lots of crime, then it's a bad state. And it has to be because people own guns. Even though, obviously, it's not true uh, by these numbers I just gave you. Every town claimed that its rankings show which states are ahead and which are behind. Really, though, they do nothing of the sort. For every town's own twisted numbers, California has a gun violence rate of 9 
while New Hampshire's is 8.3. But apparently that doesn't matter. What matters is that California has more gun control than New Hampshire. So it's not the crime, it's not the deeds done, they're not good guys, bad guys, nothing like that. It has nothing to do with self-defense or anything else. It has to do with the number of gun control laws that they'd have. The more laws you have, it doesn't matter if they fail or succeed, it matters that you have a lot of laws restricting gun rights. What matters is that California has more gun control than New Hampshire. California's, quote, gun law strength is 86.5, according to every town. Which I'm going to start calling every clown. New Hampshire's gun law strength is 9, so California wins. Even though they have far less gun violence. Uh, the same approach explains why Illinois, with a gun violence rate of 16.1, uh, gun law strength of 77, sits at number 7 in every town's rankings, while South Dakota, how you doing, Governor Nome? Uh, their gun violence rate is 14.3. Their gun law strength is 5.5. Is all the way down at number 45. Like so many groups of its type, every town simply cannot get past its infantile understanding of the world. Of the world, guns are bad. States that don't restrict guns are dangerous. Whatever you do, don't look at the details. Ultimately, the worst victims of every town's approach are the innocent people who could plausibly have been helped by smarter approach to public policy, but who are ignored, even endangered, by a set of intransigent political ideologues who believe all manner of things that simply aren't true. At present, it seems that America is filled to the rafters with powerful people who have resolved to govern by slogan alone. Bumper sticker mentality. That's what the left is now. Semantics. It's all virtue signaling. That's all they do. And they think they're better than you because they do that all the time instead of solving anything. Uh, President Biden's team will tweet something. This or that governor will offer up a boast about how much more difficult they've made it for law-abiding citizens to carry. A big city prosecutor will decline to prosecute actual bad guys. And then having finished their work for the day, they will all go about their merry way hoping no one will notice that their policies, actions, and rhetoric are actually just making things worse for law-abiding citizens. Uh, and uh, go read America's First Freedom. I need to throw a link up to the Daily Gator here to, uh, to that fine website. And Charles C.W. Cook, a libertarian, great thinker, uh, read his stuff. I, I really enjoy reading him because liberta- a true libertarian... Is, is it's interesting because their takes are always thoughtful even if I disagree but uh, I think it's a national treasure CW Cook we need those voices that we don't automatically rubber stamp and go oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and we, we definitely need more of them than the oh god what did they write this time the stuff that the left writes now I'm going to wrap up with the Prager U Prager University named Dennis Prager uh, being the head uh, basically online videos and, and information and chats and things like that about ideological issues, historical issues, uh, economies, world affairs, current affairs, everything you can really imagine. Uh, the PragerU goal is to indoctrinate kids at a young age into a far-right belief system. Uh, the story is by Chauncey DeVega. And DeVega is uh, he's not too smart. 
I'll just put it that way. Not a very big thinker. Uh, since at least the 60s, the, America, the American right has worked to create a parallel set of civil society institutions, think tanks, interest groups, foundations, educational institutions, many forms of media, churches and religious communities, and much more. Their ultimate goal all along has been to transform American society to fit their vision. Okay, and the left doesn't do these things? I'm not saying it's right, wrong, anything. I'm saying the left doesn't. It's like when Democrats point at Republicans and say, you're gerrymandering, you're gerrymandering, you're cheating. When Democrats do it all the time, every chance they get, they gerrymander. So if gerrymandering is wrong, why are you doing it? Uh, excuse me, liberals, progressive, and others who believe in genuine democracy, the left and the word democracy, my friends. We are a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Just honestly, read what the founders wrote about this, especially the, uh, the Federalist Papers, John Jay, Alexander Hamilton, who is not my favorite founder, but still a very wise man, and uh, I think most importantly, James Madison, who should be on Mount Rushmore. We need to get Teddy Roosevelt off of there. Okay, Mr. Progressive Bull Moose needs to go. James Madison needs a place at the damn table. Father of the Constitution. How is he not on Mount Rushmore? Seriously. Uh, the right-wing social engineering project, they write, is, is predicated on such ambiguous concepts as traditional American values and untrammeled freedom, which in practice means a society dominated by the moneyed classes and specifically by white Christian conservatives. Why do they hate white Christian conservatives so much? Do they not like the food they prepare for picnics or something? I don't know. I mean, why do they hate them? Because the left is basically fighting against Western culture. American value system is based on what? Judeo-Christian values. And yeah, Western culture. The, the things, crazy things like women have rights too. They should be able to vote and wear mini skirts or shorts and not be molested by, by men. It's crazy stuff like that. Uh, because leading figures on the right understand that time and changing demographics are not on their side. Uh, let me see. Uh, where did I lose my place here? Sorry. In response, their plan is to capture the hearts and minds of young people who they can then develop into the future leaders and foot soldiers for their counter-revolutionary project. You know, if you use the word counter-revolutionary in a Marxist way, the left loves it. But if you use it for you know, good revolutions like the American Revolution, they hate it. As seen in Florida and other numerous states, uh, PragerU, the powerful right-wing media advocacy and pseudo-educational organization, is playing an integral role, not integral, integral. I hate these words. You say them for 40, 50 years, and some idiot decides, you know, I don't think it should be integral, not integral, okay? Yeah, shut up. How's that? It's one of my, one of my pet peeves, my friends. Uh, PragerU is clear in its mission, which it, it describes as being a free alternative 
to the dominant left-wing ideology in culture, media, and education. Yes, it is free. You can access her videos all day long. I would suggest you do so. Uh, there's only one I vehemently disagreed with. And I still question why uh, an absolute parasite like Ty Sedgley should be allowed to write anything for PragerU concerning the war between the states, American history, or men like Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. Sedgley is, is basically a Marxist. What got into PragerU there, I don't know. But again, 99.9% of their stuff is great, so I'm not going to argue. I'll call out the wrong thing, but I'm not going to want to scrap them. Good Lord. In this conversation, John Neffel. You don't know who John Neffel is? <laughs> Peasants. He's a senior writer at Media Matters for America. Or as I like to call him, Media Marxist Against America. Explains the origins of PragerU, its relationship to the larger right-wing revolutionary project. Especially under Ron DeSantis in Florida. And how education is being weaponized by the global right wing. Toward the end of the conversation, Neffel highlights two specific examples of the way PragerU's educational videos and other materials are literally whitewashing African American history. Anytime you try to teach any black history and you don't include every left wing talking point imaginable, you're accused of whitewashing black history, which of course you're not. Uh, and Christopher Columbus's role in the genocidal white European colonial and imperial project that decimated indigenous peoples of the Americas. It's not like Chris Columbus decided, yeah, I'm going to go give these people germs and they'll all die. I don't think he was thinking that. Uh, how do you locate Ron DeSantis and his Orwellian attacks? It's funny how they use Orwell when they think it benefits him. Otherwise, they mock Orwell. The left does. Uh, his Orwellian attacks on public education, as seen recently with a claim that chattel slavery in America was basically a job skills program within a larger story about the conservative movement today. Now, I don't know if they could have gotten any more of a lie out of that headline, but there's nothing in, in the history taught in Florida now that uh, glorifies chattel slavery or calls it a, a jobs program. Again, the left cannot tell the truth. They have to lie. Because the opposite of them lying all the time would be for them to accept the truth. That America's a great country, doesn't need to be communist. And, uh, you know, history should be taught as it happened as best we know it. And should not be used to change politics or ideology of today. Or to lie about the country, to trash its heritage, its culture, etc. Uh, let me see here. <clears throat> and the uh, the answer to that question is the things we're seeing in Florida right now are either long simmering or open goals of the conservative movement to attack public education, and that includes the elementary school, middle school, high school, and at the university and college level as well. What? What we see in Florida is an attempt to either destroy public education through defunding it and allowing parents to transfer public tax dollars to charter schools or private schools or just to start our public school system more broadly. Why shouldn't parents have the choice to use their tax, their 
tax dollars to send their child to the school of their choice. I thought the left was all about choice. <laughs> if you believe that one, my friends. I got some swampland in New Mexico. Right on the Indian Ocean. Black Sea, the Red Sea are right there. Also the Great Lakes, like five miles away. All in New Mexico. And cheap. I'll cut you a deal. Uh, what the Republicans in Florida and elsewhere can't starve in terms of public schools and education, DeSantis wants to capture with a right-wing propaganda being produced and disseminated by the likes of Prager, you kids, those little bastards. There's another component here as well because these attacks on public education are a labor story. This move for, quote, parents' rights which in reality is a euphemism for the concerns and anxieties and bigotries of wealthy white suburban parents. Everything they turn to an anti-white screen. It's amazing. And then they call everyone else bigots. Uh, all of this comes out of the COVID lockdowns and the school closures. The right wing blame teacher unions for those lockdowns. They had a big voice in the lockdowns. You should have watched the news more often. Even the mainstream media couldn't hide that jackass. Uh, these efforts by DeSantis also consist of an attempt to propagandize children at a young age into right-wing beliefs and lies about history. See, they want kids to believe that the doctor tells you what gender your child is. Crazy stuff like that. Uh, and there's some more questions here. Next question is, what do we know about how the Republican Party and conservative movement have been propagandizing and recruiting young people as part of a larger strategic plan? Um, and again, they bash PragerU, generally speaking, in a false fashion. And uh, just lie about PragerU and Ron DeSantis and any... Even the state legislature governor that does as he's done and push back. And again, understand this all comes from Chauncey De Vega at Salon. And remember what I always say about Salon Magazine. It's where bad writers go to become awful writers. Yeah. It's like defining bad writing down, down, down. Please go read that, my friends. I am done for the day. I uh, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, every day I'm going to do this now, except for Sunday. I'm still going to try to take Sundays off. And especially now that the time for worshiping football is back. Maybe I'll take Saturdays off. Because college football is is love of my life. One of the loves of my life. One of them. Only one of them. And yes. Yes, Emily Compagno, you are still one of them. Just saying. Just saying, if you you know want to want to get together sometime, just if. Uh, and I would only change plans with you, Emily, for Selma Hayek. No one else. I mean that. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, thank you for listening, my friends. Glad to be back. Good to be back. I will get maybe more into details about why I was off for a while. It's a lot of painful stuff, a lot of th- uh, frustrating stuff. Uh, maybe I'll talk about all that later. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for remembering me. Tell everyone you know, the big gator's back in the swamp. And yes, if you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. The three rules of this uh, podcast. 
God bless y'all, my friends. Y'all be good. Take care of each other. Peace out. Until tomorrow. Bye-bye.